welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Formula Legend. On this week's edition, the Italian Grand Prix, so little happens that I can't come up with a second point to put in this intro. That's all to come in this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato, and yes, it's another one of those races where, well... Not a lot did happen. Joining me to wrap up as best we can the strategic developments of the Italian Grand Prix. His name's Luca Manacordes from FormulaPassion.it. He joins me on the line now. How are you? Hi, Michael. Hello, everybody from Italy. We are still here under the Monza podium to sing a po 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 po. How did you rate his singing? He got the crowd on his side in the end. <laughs> we are a crazy year for the, the Monza races, so we are happy to <laughs> sing this song. <laughs> and they're putting, putting all the Max Verstappen fans uh, in the shade, I think. We thought the crowd in Belgium was good, but nothing really beats the fans in Italy. I guess you're a little bit biased, but what was the atmosphere like? It's always good. Yeah, in Monza, it's like a football stadium for the atmosphere. So Tifosi are crazy. They are going with a uh, horn, the city sing song, so it's a very good uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And a fine atmosphere for Nico Rosberg to uh, win his first Italian Grand Prix from Lewis Hamilton. He did it with a one-stop. It was a very straightforward race for him. But before we get into the race itself, we need to start with qualifying because what set up the entire Grand Prix for Mercedes and ultimately for Nico Rosberg was the fact that they were so quick, Luca. They were so quick that they could qualify in Q2 on the soft tyre, which was the middle compound. Everyone else needed to use the super soft could you tell on Friday, from your perspective in the paddock over there, that it was going to be so bad or so easy for Mercedes uh, early on? Uh, unfortunately for the show, yeah, the superiority <laughs> of the Mercedes is uh, very, very, very big, in, especially in this kind of track, because they have a good power unit and a fantastic uh, chassis. So they they could uh, choose this kind of strategy and... Uh, the race. It has been very easy for uh, them. <laughs> also, with a, a bad start from Lewis, but their superiority is so so big. So One of the interesting things I thought, though, in qualifying, because if Mercedes is going to run away, well, they've already run away with the championship, really, but if they're going to keep the, the dominance in the race up, at very least, we should be able to, to hope for the competition between Rosberg and Hamilton. Uh, there we are getting that in the end. The, the, the gap in the championship is close to only two points, but after qualifying qualifying Hamilton had a whole half a second between him and Rosberg and Rosberg's face after qualifying I mean he looked completely gutted after that result what was he like what was it like after that result to see Hamilton so far in front yeah on Saturday everybody thought that the race uh, has already a winner with Lewis and also the for the world championship because uh, Lewis uh, now has uh, the new free new power unit and this is a uh, in my opinion a big advantage over uh, Nico even if Mercedes will put a new power unit for the last races Lewis has a big advantage because he can use his power units uh, better than Nico that uh, cannot uh, use the power unit at the best for the the risk to block them 
So on, we, we thought that the championship was also still gone to the Lewis hands. But uh, now we have a, a great battle for the title. So this is good. Yeah, it is lucky in the end what happened in the race. Uh, If we look further down the grid in the order, uh, this is, of course, all about horsepower. It's an engine track. We all know that. Monza's mostly mostly a straight line with some chicanes in the middle of it. And Ferrari brought, as they did last year as well, last year the great effect, this year not so much, a new power unit. They spent, I think, three tokens, their last tokens for the year. Did it seem to have much of an effect? Because they didn't make much of an impression uh, on Mercedes. And and secondly, I suppose, when Sergio Marchione walked into the paddock, he called everyone, called them a failure. He rode off the year. How did that go down in the Ferrari garage? <laughs> uh, Marchione in Monza said that now the problem for the Ferrari is not the power unit, but the aerodynamic. So uh, they thought that uh, their power unit, Ferrari power unit, is a good power unit. And uh, I think uh, it's not at the level of the Mercedes power unit, but uh, it's not bad because uh, we have seen uh, the Haas, especially with Gutierrez, mm-hmm. he reached the Q3. So the power unit Ferrari uh, is a good power unit for me, the new power unit. And we'll see how that works, certainly on, on other circuits. I think we're, we're past most of the power circuits now, and, and that'll hopefully stand them in good stead, uh, given Singapore, the next race is where they won last year. But nonetheless, after qualifying, we saw very much Mercedes-powered cars doing very, very well. Uh, Mercedes, most of all, and Ferrari, clearly the second fastest car. Down to the race, though. The race is, well, it all happened pretty much at the first turn. It's where Lewis Hamilton gave up his advantage from pole position, uh, and we saw Nico Rosberg streak away into the lead. The one-stop strategy is what Mercedes were using, and they could still use it on Hamilton in the end, even though he fell down to sixth by the time he got to the first chicane. Uh, Usually the one stops faster around Monza. Were you surprised to see so many cars go for the two-stop, I guess by virtue of the new tyre rules we have? Yeah, the one-stop strategy is always the best in Monza. But uh, this year, with these new tires rules, so the team can choose the the tires, uh, one kind of tires for the races, uh, we saw a different uh, choice for the strategies. This is good, but uh, we have seen with Ferrari, uh, with two stops, you are more aggressive, but uh, you cannot reach a faster car than you. So uh, at the end, uh, Mercedes doing the right choice, especially with the choice of the soft tires for the Q2. The Red Bull mm-hmm. tried to do the same, but uh, they were not so fast to do the same. So mm-hmm. It's ironic as well, because Mercedes seemed to be fastest on the super soft. We remember Belgium, they were not that good on the super soft tyre. They seemed to be overheating it because it was so hot there, and Belgium's got faster corners than Monza, so there's more energy in the tyres, but... It's, I mean, could you imagine what the advantage must have been if Mercedes, if it could use the super softs for one of those stints? I mean, how much further ahead could they have finished? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we must hope that with the new rules for the 2017, the superiority of the Mercedes will be smaller or uh, we, are, we are going to see another close championship between uh, Lewis and Nico <laughs> and the other cars uh, still uh, behind uh, a loft or 10th. That's all we've got to hope for i guess uh one thing that's been in the spotlight for the last couple of weeks well actually i should say the last couple of weeks really since this time last year it's been in the spotlight is pirelli and the uh tire pressures because this is where uh well mercedes and lewis hamilton uh i think it was last year almost got thrown out of the race fair running 
uh, tire pressures that were too low ever since then uh, Pirelli's been mandating uh, minimum tire pressures uh, and the teams haven't been all that happy about them uh, especially in Belgium they were very unhappy because they were quite high were they still very high in Italy and given we've had a year now since Pirelli's really been uh, on this regulation uh, the teams haven't been that happy with it have they yeah still in Monza many drivers uh, have complained this uh, choice of for the pressure or the tire pressure and not uh, only the Mercedes drivers but for but for example, also Romain Grosjean has uh, mm-hmm. said a lot of uh, complaint about this uh, pressure, tire pressure choice. Uh, in Italy, we say that uh, Pirelli has uh, some problems with uh, his uh, adventure in Formula One. <laughs> Still from the 2014, do you remember the tires explosion? Yeah, now they... They used to to follow some choice uh, conservative, and that's uh, why now we have this uh, kind of situation. It's interesting since uh, since we're on Pirelli, and because let's be honest, we've almost talked about all of the strategies so far. Pirelli's tenure, like you said, has been. Uh, sometimes controversial in Formula One. The drivers are not happy with the tyres they're given. That's not necessarily Pirelli's fault. They're making what they've been asked to make, I suppose. But the perception in Italy for an Italian company, one of the big motorsport companies of the world as well, supplying tyres to a bunch of different categories, how has the response uh, internally, the national response to Pirelli in Formula One been considering all the criticism they get? We saw um, a lot of uh, Italian uh, fans of Formula One. They say they are not uh, happy with uh, Pirelli. But uh, we understand that uh, Pirelli is not in an uh, easy situation because uh, they follow the federation uh, request. That's why they, they had a lot of problems in the last season and they still have some uh, problems this year. And uh, for example, it's a victory for Pirelli that now they could do some uh, tire test for the mm-hmm. next season. Absolutely, and we'll see uh, the tyre brief is changing a little bit next year and hopefully we'll get tyres that can be raced a little bit harder because that's what Lewis Hamilton said was his problem in Italy. Once he eventually got past uh, everyone he fell behind, once he got past even the Ferrari cars, he was 15 seconds behind Nico Rosberg and maybe once upon a time that would have been a great story because Lewis Hamilton, you know, maybe he's slightly faster than Nico Rosberg as a driver, closing the gap over the second half of the race. But he just couldn't do it. Is I mean, we should all be looking forward to tyres next year, right? Or are we going to end up complaining that, you know, the tyres last the whole race? It's just like the Bridgestone era. Maybe there's no perfect tyre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We hope that the next year we could uh, see uh, a race like uh, the one as you, as you told. There's a lot of uh, big expectation for these new rules. Uh, in, for sure, uh, you, have, you have you heard what uh, Fernando Alonso said about the 2017 rules. If uh, he doesn't, uh, he will. He doesn't like the new cars. He will uh, retire from Formula One. So there are high expectations for these new rules. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure on all the. There's a lot of pressure on McLaren to make sure Alonso doesn't just retire if their car's not very good. Imagine having to make a car to save Fernando Alonso's career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't like to be the chief designer. I think, <laughs> but in the end. <laughs> 
the Mercedes cars streaked out in front. Uh, Lewis Hamilton could not catch Nico Rosberg. They ran almost identical one-stop strategies from the softs from qualifying to the mediums to finish the race, and that was the way it finished. A quick word on Ferrari, I suppose. Uh, The race, I guess, it showed how far behind they still are compared to Mercedes, but on the other hand... They sort of needed a really clean weekend like this, didn't they? Because it's been... This is their first podium in five rounds, I think it's been. Some of the races previously, they've made some strategic mistakes or just general mistakes when it comes to pit stops or, or race strategy. And I guess at very least this weekend in front of the home crowds, they just had a pretty... Well, a maximum weekend, I guess, for the car they have. Yeah, for sure. In this weekend, Ferrari reached the best result uh, it could reach. And uh, But this year, uh, in my opinion, for a lot of people, Ferrari does uh, did a lot of mistakes in strategy. Uh, Australia, Canada, they, they've lost uh, the, some opportunity to win at least one race. Because uh, we know that Mercedes every season give uh, one, two, three chance to <laughs> to win a race for the other teams, <laughs> and uh, also in Spain, Red Bull has uh, used this uh, chance to win a race, and Ferrari lost the race with uh, again a, stra- a strategy not perfect. So this year for Ferrari, we have seen a lot of mistakes, in my opinion, for the strategies. And also in, uh, on track by the, the drivers. China, first uh, turn, also in Belgium. So not a perfect season for uh, the Ferrari team. What's the pressure been like in Italy on Ferrari? Because, I mean, it's not only in Italy that the pressure's on. Everyone around the world of Formula One expected Ferrari to win this season. We we all thought that they'd be challenging Mercedes, and, and that ultimately hasn't happened. The first half of the year, yeah, you know, sometimes they were there. Like you said, Australia, uh, well, Spain by technicality, I guess, when Mercedes crashed. Also, Canada, maybe Sebastian Vettel could have won there. But ever since then, it's been hard. Now, James Allison has gone. Uh, it can't be a, a, a very good situation for Ferrari in front of all the home crowds, given what everyone expected. Yeah, they have a huge pressure on them, and uh, especially because uh, the president Marchionne at the start of the season uh, said that uh, is uh, he he was waiting a victory uh, until the GP Spain on the first uh, five six race of the year, but this victory uh, had never come, so <laughs> the pressure is still is bigger. And bigger every race and for this the Monza result is a good result for Ferrari but uh, at the same time I think that with this result we we saw that Mercedes is uh, always too strong for them and also that Red Bull in the next uh, races will be a very difficult uh, car to beat for Ferrari especially in Singapore Let's talk about Red Bull because uh, they gave us a little bit of action. Definitely Daniel Ricciardo did. Overtake of the race. Well, there weren't very many overtakings in the race anyway, but overtake of the race, maybe of the whole year, according to some commentators on Valtteri Bottas. Now, Williams as a car should normally be quite good around Monza. They've got the Mercedes engine. They're very slippery in a straight line. As you were sort of saying there, how much does this show the Red Bull car and the Renault engine? They keep saying the Renault engine's no good, but you know they did all right in Monza. How much does it show the development of Red Bull this year that Ricardo can pass the Williams and and finish fifth at the end of the race? Yeah, uh, this is the Ricardo move was a very great overtake. 
beautiful overtake. And uh, with this overtake, we saw concretely the that now Red Bull is a uh, and uh, Renault power unit are uh, in a very good uh, shape. And for the power unit, we saw a leveling of the power on the speed on the straight. For example, uh, if you take a look at the top speed in the race in Monza, the second driver is uh, Jenson Button with uh, mm-hmm. the Honda power unit. So now the power unit is not uh, the big difference be- between the Mercedes and, and the other team. And now uh, Formula 1 is going again to be a championship where the chassis, the aerodynamic, <clears throat> are the, more imp- the most important thing for the speed in the, on the track. So uh, Red Bull, as, uh, as always, big uh, solution for uh, <laughs> the aerodynamics. And uh, we saw um, the wings especially now are um, uh, deforming wings. That in, uh, with this deforming wings, they, uh, they are helped in the straight. They could reach higher speed, uh, even with a power, a Renault power unit, so they can beat uh, Williams also in Monza. And as a final note on Red Bull Racing, uh, they, Daniel Ricciardo, the secret, I guess, to him passing Bottas uh, and being able to make that move on him was the fact he ended the race on a super soft tyre. Similar strategy to Ferrari using the super soft twice, but he used it at the end of the race. Not very many other cars did that. The highest place one well, was Jensen Button, and he, and he used it to great effect, in fact. He passed a lot of cars near the end of the race. How come so few teams, do you think, tried the super soft tyre at the end? Uh, it seemed that uh, this was the, the best strategy for the drivers who choose the two-stop strategy. So, yeah, and also uh, Jensen uh, showed that this was the best uh, choice. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a, it was a good choice for the strategy, using the super soft at the last uh, stint. One of the entertaining things of this week has been uh, watching or well, listening to people talk about Max Verstappen, I think, after that Belgian Grand Prix controversy uh, between him and mostly Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel, too, for good measure. Uh, he had a pretty quiet race I think he did what he had to do he passed the cars he had to pass after he had not a great start didn't qualify too far behind Daniel Ricciardo but how did you see him taking all that criticism he's still young still a teenager second year in Formula One to have the whole world well criticizing his driving how did you see him uh, reacting to that in the paddock Max uh, seems uh, to be um... I don't know if you have have you heard the the word that he reserved to Niki Lauda about the psychiatric uh, treatment. Uh, he sent back to the to the sender every cri- criticize that uh, arrived to him. So it uh, it seemed to be very strong about the psychological side. So maybe in Monza. Uh, he looks a little bit quiet, but uh, I thought it was also because the track was not the best for Red Bull. But um, for example, we saw he, he has done uh, a great move on Sergio Perez in the last uh, laps. I thought that in the next races, we, we will see again uh, the Max at uh, his best, also with uh, his aggressivity. aggressivity. On, on Sergio Perez, interesting, we already talked about how few cars uh, tried the one-stop strategy, but of all the teams and of all the drivers, Sergio Perez in Force India, you'd think would be the first 
people to try and do a one-stop because that's usually Perez's strength, isn't it? That he, he gets through the race changing tyres the minimum number of times and, and still finishes quite high up. Were you surprised Force India didn't give it a go or is this maybe a sign that you know they're already really thinking about next year despite being in such a tight battle with Williams? Yeah, uh, Force India, uh, I think, is... Is living a very great season because they didn't, they don't have a, a great budget. But every year they made a step forward, the best uh, team. So maximum respect for their work. And um, I thought that uh, this year they they will beat Williams for the fourth place in the constructor championship. And uh, yeah, for Monza, probably with this. Uh, with the the tire rules about the super soft tire the, and uh, using the the tire for uh, the start of the race the tire that using Q2 they they have no choice so, so they they have to do the two stop uh, strategy also uh, e- even with Sergio that uh, always make a long stint in race the only other i guess unique strategy in this race was Romain Grosjean that Haas car just missing out on points he went straight from the soft onto the super soft after having a gearbox penalty. Just a quick note on them before I want to talk about McLaren, because I think they had an interesting race, even though they didn't score any points. Haas has done very well in this first year. There's a rumour around the paddock that Romain Grosjean and Esteban Gutierrez will both re-sign for next season. Have you heard anything about that? And, I mean, do you think that there's anyone else that they should be signing next year, considering well, Gutierrez hasn't scored a point yet? Uh, yeah, um, at the moment... It uh, seems that Gutierrez will uh, maintain his uh, seat at uh, Haas, especially because uh, we know he he has uh, uh, slim uh, money behind him, so it's easier for him to maintain the seat. Uh, but uh, as in this year, um, made uh, a good debut on in Formula One. Obviously, they are helped by Ferrari and Dallara collaboration. And uh, as we see in uh, in Monza, uh, they have a car that uh, is uh, quite good, especially in the fast track. And let's talk about McLaren now, because yes, they've still got that Honda power unit. It's not the best. In fact, it's not really that good. They've made improvements. The electrical part of the power unit's not too bad. Uh, And they had an interesting race, I thought. They couldn't qualify very highly. Jensen Button had a messy first lap, but had a really strong finish on the super soft tyres. But even that was reasonably normal compared to Fernando Alonso. Got a bit frustrated in the car. Sounded a little bit crazy in the car. I think as well, and in the end, he got the fastest lap of the race. <laughs> yeah, the Fernando Team Radio is uh, one of the best in the Formula One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, furious because, uh, and in this, in his first stop, uh, they had a problem with the traffic light, as mm-hmm. you seen uh, on TV. So after this uh, problem, he was uh, furious. And when uh, Jensen overtake, uh, overtakes him, <laughs> he, he started to go crazy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the end, <laughs> he chose to change his uh, tires to, to do this uh, fast, uh, fast slap in, uh, in race. This, this fast lap, uh, fastest lap is the first fast lap in race for Honda since uh, 1992. Mm-hmm. And the last driver to do this with Honda was uh, Ayrton Senna. 
So ah, good stat. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fernando has done this to to show everybody. This is what uh, <laughs> I could do with a fast car. <laughs> and, and for sure, well, as I, I saw before, um, McLaren is uh, improved very well this year. The car and also the Honda Power Unit. So maybe next year they could uh, reach uh, the other top team in some track, I think. Well, we hope so, because then at least Fernando Alonso might not retire. Although it'll mean Jensen Button won't be able to race the year after. So I guess, you know, one way or another, someone's going to go. As a final note, because, well, that's all the tyre strategies there were, really. The race was fairly straightforward. Uh, The championship battle is, I think, one thing not very many people expected in the mid-season break, even after Belgium. Yes, Nico Rosberg won in Belgium, but Hamilton started on the back row of the grid. So in, you know, actual fact, Hamilton had a pretty good race there. Only two points now after Nico Rosberg won this race. A lot of people had written off Hamilton. uh, A lot of people had written off Rosberg. Is this title fight on? Uh, I, I could say that every year we saw that uh, between these two drivers, there are uh, every driver uh, has um, two, three, four uh, Grand Prix win in uh, uh, consecutive, and then the other driver in, uh, seems to be um, uh, is going to lose the the championship. For example, this year the first uh, for Grand Prix, Rosberg dominates the the championship. Lewis uh, seems to be this, uh, not competitive like the other here. Then Lewis uh, won uh, a lot of race and Nico lost uh, all the points he had in the after the first race. So uh, he's uh, like a roller coaster between him, between <laughs> them. And uh, I still f- think that uh, Lewis uh, could uh, easily win this championship. And uh, I don't know if the battle will be again uh, furious between them uh, because uh, if you think uh, about this uh, after the Austria contact, they look a bit, a little bit quiet between them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nico... And Nico uh, has now a new contest, has signed a new contract for the next years. And uh, maybe in that contract, uh, there are uh, some uh, clauses for a not uh, big battle between them. So for me, Lewis remaining the favorite for the title. Mm, I think I've, I'm of the same opinion, but... Oh, I even wrote. I even wrote before the mid-season break that there's no way Rosberg will win the championship after he he lost uh, in Germany. But two points. It's very very close, isn't it? Only is it is six or seven rounds to go now? Yeah, uh, seven. Oh, it's going to be interesting. At least at least we have this. If there's no one else that can beat Mercedes, at least we've got this. Although the Singapore Grand Prix in only two weeks, one of the three, maybe one of Mercedes' three races they can't win this year. Yeah, it's, uh, um, for sure is a better situation than that uh, when uh, we had uh, Vettel uh, alone doing uh, <laughs> a lot of races. So for sure is better for the for the show but always if uh, we had another car between two mercedes uh, it would be, be better well we'll keep our fingers crossed hopefully yeah. soon hopefully that'll yeah. happen soon <laughs> 
Well, that was the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, it may, mightn't have been a classic, but it did bring the championship back into two points of contention. And there was some interesting moves in there, at very least. But the Italian Grand Prix is always worth seeing, isn't it? The crowd, the fans, the atmosphere. It's fantastic. You were part of it. Luca, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Michael, goodbye you, goodbye everybody. And uh, we wait you in Italy next year for the Italian Grand Prix. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Strategy Report. If you want to read more about the strategy of the Italian Grand Prix, go to f1strategyreport.com for Jack Leslie's write-up of all the action from Monza, or search for F1 Strategy Report on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to try your hand at your own race strategies, you can download the 2016 edition of the Formula Legend mobile game, available on iOS and Android. My name's Michael Laminato. You can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter and be sure to join me in two weeks' time when we look back on the Singapore Grand Prix.